0: I want to pause before we go any further. As I read the news this morning, I was reminded, even with 9-11, reminded um, how important first responders are in our community, and our world. And um, even law enforcement particularly, I was reminded of, of what they do for us and how they put their lives on the line. I don't know if you read, but a, a L.A. County sheriff's deputy was killed sitting in his car last night just uh, outside the Palmdale uh, deputy station there, sheriff station, and his name, he was killed in that uh, shooting that seems to be random, just someone targeting a police officer while he was sitting in his car. Uh, deputy Ryan Klickenbrumer was the gentleman's name, and uh, just the time of that last night, before we gathered this morning, I-, I wanted us to pause and pray for all who serve in the first as first responders in our community. We're here in L.A. County, so it is the L.A. County uh, Sheriff's uh, officers who would respond to anything on our campus. They do respond to, to needs on our campus, and uh, we know that uh, they right now are hurting. And he, uh, Ryan Klickenbrumer uh, had been a part of the LA Sheriff's uh, Deputy Force for eight years, and just a matter of days, I think it's six days before he was killed last night, he got engaged. And so a young man going through uh, those natural seasons of life, but putting his life on the line and then to have something like this happen. Let me just say thank you to all of you who serve as first responders, those of you who serve in law enforcement and emergency response and fire and EMTs and all those. Thank you so much uh, for what you do for us in our community. I also want to just speak directly to spouses and moms and dads and kids and, and relatives of those who are in law enforcement. Uh, thank you that um, you know the great risk, and I'm sure you go through a lot, and even when you hear news like this, it sure churns up your heart, and I want to pray God's peace for you today as well. Father, we pause right now, and we want to pray for the fiance of Officer or Deputy Klickenbrumer, We wanna pray for his parents, his family. We pray for those uh, right there who knew him and worked with him in the Palmdale Station. But as we're served here by the Lost Hills Station and all the sheriff's deputies I know have been affected throughout LA County, I'm sure law enforcement, even in Ventura County and throughout our region feel the weight of this impact, and I pray for families of first responders who often show up at a fire or an emergency situation or a setting that there's a lot of uncertainty and risk. We pray for family members that you would just give them a peace today. Uh, They might know that uh, the people in our community appreciate and love uh, their families and what uh, their loved one uh, does daily to keep us all safe we pray again for uh, the, the deputies and the sheriff department in L.A. County. We just ask that there would be a, a calm here. And we pray that justice would come to the individual who did this and that, Father, you would put a, a restraint on people who would have this kind of evil in their hearts. Uh, we thank you again for those who protect us daily, who serve our community. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now we move to something not quite as serious. Perhaps you know the name of a man named Stoney Kirsch. Most likely you don't, but I came across an article as I was doing some research a little while ago about this guy. You'll get to know him and you'll know what he's all about just by some of the images I'm gonna share. This is Stoney outside his home. You'll soon figure out what he's all about. This is his kitchen at his home, and uh, this is what he's done to his garage. This is one of his memorabilia, room, memorabilia rooms that he's in. He has a whole room of, uh, of bobbleheads and statues. And uh, now you figured out what, what he's all about, right? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, right? He's gone so far that uh, this is his bathroom. This is the shower in his, his bathroom. <laughs> I mean, if you put the logo in tile, you are really all about it, right? Or look at the floor to the, the, look at the floor, it's like a field in tile. Now when asked by the Dallas Morning News how he got into all this, by the way he says that his wife is so loving to allow this. I don't think very many spouses would do this for a fanatic like this. But asked why he got into this, he, Stoney Kirsch says, for me it just became a passion and I just loved it so much. He wears something that recognizes the Cowboys everywhere he goes. His car, his truck have logos that represent the Cowboys. He's all about the Cowboys. And he said he just got a passion about it. Now it's one thing to be a fan of a sports team and there's nothing wrong with that. And I know there's some great fans of some of our LA sports teams here in the room and joining us online. But it's a whole nother thing when you say it's all about Jesus because we're not just fans of Jesus, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We're not just thinking about Jesus in terms of the external things, we're thinking about Jesus in terms of he is our example, he is our pattern. We want the spirit of God to mold us and shape us and make us more like Jesus. Today, we launch a six-week series on Calvary's core values that we laid out in the season ahead on our 2030 vision. These are some things we think need to be deeply ingrained even more in the DNA of Calvary. Now, if you've been around Calvary, you know that Calvary's founding pastor, Larry DeWitt, constantly was talking about it's all about Jesus. And he would say say, we're to make much of Jesus. So this isn't something new for Calvary, but it's so important in a world where many churches are drifting off and, and having other priorities, and making other things more important than Jesus. It's important for us as a local church to recognize it's all about Jesus. If you wanna open your Bibles, if you have hard copy, or if you have a a digital app on on your mobile device, maybe on a phone or an iPad like I have in front of me here, go to Colossians chapter one. We're gonna look into the New Testament. This is a book written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae in the first century. There were a lot of false teachers and some of the world's philosophical thinking had crept into this church. And in Colossians 1:15 through 20, Paul addresses this by giving us the most Christological passage, the, the deepest theology about Jesus Christ perhaps anywhere in scripture in such a succinct way in verses 15 through 20 of Colossians 1. Now here's what I I want us to really think about together today. Because Jesus Christ has full supremacy over everything and everyone, it's all about him. It's all about him. My life, your life, when we gather collectively, it's all about him. And once we truly understand that it's all about Jesus, we find our deepest satisfaction in life when we constantly make much of him. You want deep satisfaction, peace, meaning and joy in life? Then you aim your heart as a follower of Christ not just to be a fan or a fanatic about Jesus but to be a follower of Christ who finds their deepest satisfaction in life making much of Jesus everywhere you go in every way in your life, and that's what we need to be about as a church, our deepest unity and satisfaction collectively as a body of believers here in Westlake Village, California only comes as we make much of Jesus together. We're gonna to look at four ways in Colossians 1:15 to 20 that Jesus has supremacy over certain aspects of our world, our universe, and all creation. Jesus Christ has supremacy Let me read, and these verses won't come up on the screen right now, but I just want to read the whole passage to you aloud, kind of read it over you. Just listen to the beauty of this passage as one. And let me just say this. We believe that this is... A hymn that was used in the early church, and under the Spirit of God, Paul includes it here, may have been familiar to these first century Christians. This may be the very first hymn of the church I'm about to read over you. Listen as I read, just or follow along in the text there in front of you, but here it is. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross what a beautiful description of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Jesus Christ in these verses has supremacy first of all over everything he has supremacy over everything not just some things not just a few things not just spiritual things or the things that are important to him he has supremacy over everything look at verse 15 again the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now let me explain to you a little bit about what Paul is addressing that's going on in the church there in Colossae. The Colossian church had a lot of false teachers who'd come in, and in this day of the Greco-Roman philosophical, mythological approach to the universe and answering the kind of questions like, where did we come from, why are we here, where are we going, those basic philosophical questions, a philosophy had settled in in the world that was called Gnosticism. And the word Gnostic has at its roots the word knowledge in Koine Greek. And the Gnostics were people who believed there was this higher knowledge out there, this, this level you reached of enlightenment that was actually in and of itself, this plateau or this plane that you reach of knowledge and understanding and enlightenment is in and of itself kind of God. The God isn't a personal being, but but he is this entity of knowledge and light, and you can achieve that as you kind of go up higher. And by the way, we have modern forms of this where people put even angels up above where the Bible puts angels Some people make angels up at this kind of level. We talk about getting a certain level of knowledge or you reach the secret space of, of the universe. and There are all kinds of philosophies in our world and even false religions that have this at the focus rather than a relationship with a God who made you and loves you and wants to walk with you now and through eternity. So he's addressing the Gnostics and he uses some of their language. But he's trying to be clear that it's not this knowledge or this, this level you reach, or this, this heightened sense of awareness and enlightenment that, that is supreme in all the universe. It's Jesus Christ. He is God in human flesh. The Son, God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father, the three in one. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus, as he walked on planet Earth, was the image of the God we don't see. John 1 says we've not seen God as he is. But we're told even in John 1, but God came in human flesh. And here we read the Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ as he walked on planet Earth was encased in human flesh and we saw in him God. And we can see in him today through the, through the pages of the written word of God that he is God. He is God in human flesh. Now this word image is where we get our word icon from. Like someone is an icon in their industry. They stand out and and are above and beyond and they reflect what all that industry really represents. Jesus is this exact representation of God. He's not just a mirror, he is in essence God. He is God in human flesh. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation, that word exact, rep, those words exact representation are the same word for image found in Colossians 15 of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Christ has supremacy over everything because he is God in human flesh. Secondly, he existed before anything else existed. It says the firstborn over all creation. All creation means, as it's making a distinction here, there's all of creation, then there's Jesus. He's not a part of all of creation. He existed before anything else. Thirdly, he's over everything that exists. When it says firstborn over all creation, now the word here for firstborn is in Greek a word that originally carried the idea of someone who was the firstborn in a family, the oldest child. But because in the ancient world, the oldest child also, when the parents passed off the scene, would then become the authority figure in the family, the idea of being firstborn moved from just being something in order, in chronological order, to being the one who is supreme over, has authority and control. As a matter of fact, David in the Old Testament says about Solomon, who was not his first or second born son, that, Solomon, my firstborn, now reigns over Israel. What was he saying? It wasn't, he wasn't, somebody say, wait a minute, you know you have other sons older than him. It wasn't about the order of his birth, it was about the position he had and the power. And so this verse is emphasizing, as Paul is communicating to them, undermining some of the Gnostic thinking, he's saying he is over everything that exists. So point one, we have to understand about why it's all about Jesus, is Jesus Christ has supremacy over everything. You'd think then, we could just stop the sermon and move on, right, doesn't that include supremacy over everything, but I like to preach so we're not gonna do that. (laughs) Actually, what happens here is Paul comes at this from like four different angles to make sure we get the point that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords, king of kings, and has supremacy over everything. Secondly, Jesus Christ not only has supremacy over everything, he has supremacy over creation, over creation. Now, I mentioned to you that the Gnostics had all this kind of thinking and understanding. One of their thinkings was that anything physical, like human beings, physical, was evil, and that anything non-physical, spiritual, was good. And so whatever this higher knowledge is or this entity out there is or uh, this, this source of ultimate knowledge and truth, it probably has something to do with how the world and universe came into existence. But it can't be connected to this physical world and to human beings because that would taint its perfection. And, and so it has this idea that it had different emanations, spiritual beings, angels, even they would say demons were the closest spiritual entities that came from this ultimate source that got closest to humanity and that's why they're so evil. But it had this philosophy that said this prime source of everything couldn't just be one personal God who made us in his image and who wants to walk with us daily and into eternity. It can't be that kind of God because the world is too complex for that, so it must be multiple gods, maybe even three, four, five gods, and they narrowed down all of what we see that exists philosophically into that everything came from a primary cause, which has got to be some other knowledge and entity out there. Everything came by an instrumental cause that it happened, And then a final cause where there's a purpose to all of this. And it's not a personal God we interact with. It's this source of knowledge, enlightenment that's out there that you got to pursue and find. And so in verses 16 and 17, he undercuts all of that. And here we're going to see him declare Jesus as the primary cause, the instrumental cause, and the final cause of everything. All in Christ Jesus himself, God the Son. Verses 16 and 17. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. By the way, those thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, he's not talking about human individuals who hold levels of positions. This is the philosophical language of the Gnostics. There there are these entities out there, these authorities, these rulers, there's powers, there's these, these ones who have Uh, thrones in the spiritual realm. And and if you really want to become enlightened as a human being and find ultimate peace and satisfaction, you move through these different spiritual realms to the highest of all knowledge. And then you finally arrive. But he says, look, he created all of that. (laughs) And then he says, all that was created through him and for him, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. How many of you on your way in this morning? and maybe some of you have had some lung issues, and I understand there could be someone like this, and I don't want really to be trite with this. But the vast majority of us came in this room this morning and we didn't from our cars in go, okay, lungs breathe, okay, lungs exhale, breathe in, exhale, breathe in, breathe, in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, as we walked. Again, maybe some of you you have got some issues and, and physically you almost get to that point to walk the distance from your car into this worship center. We 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 don't keep ourselves going. God created us and God sustains us. God the Son created us and God the Son sustains us. So what do we see here? What 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 are what is Paul saying about these ideas that there are these different entities creating different entities to help us reach this higher knowledge of enlightenment? He says when it comes to creation, Jesus Christ has supremacy over creation. He's the primary cause. Verse 16 for in him all things were created. He's the primary cause. He planned it. This wasn't accidental. This wasn't through some spiritual being over here or some spiritual being over there. You gotta figure them out and tap into them. If someone tells you that, they probably uh, encourage you to tap into the demonic world. He is, a prim- he is the primary cause of everything. Everything is in him. He planned it. He's the instrumental cause. It's through him or by him. He's the one. He did it and does it by his power. He created us, and he sustains us by his power. He's the instrument that made all things and holds all things together. There's nothing else doing that. It's Jesus, and he is the final cause for him. As you read that last part of verse 16, all things have been created through him. Again, that's the means, and for him for him everything exists everything exists because he's the final cause it's for him he did it for his good pleasure and glory now what does that tell us we're not dealing with ideas and thoughts and knowledge and enlightenment and spiritual beings and spiritual realms we're dealing with a personal god who made us in his image And when we sinned, he personally sent his son in human flesh, the one who is over everything, the one who is over all creation, who has all supremacy, came so we could have a relationship with him and walk with him. And by default of who he is and his holiness and his majesty and His all his glory, everything that exists exists for his good pleasure and to bring him glory. And we find the greatest satisfaction when we align our hearts and say it's all about him, his glory, his good pleasure. And we as created beings then find deep satisfaction, meaning and joy when our hearts are linked to Jesus Christ who is Lord of lords and king of kings. He has supremacy over everything, over creation. John 1, one through three says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, referencing Jesus, John also addressing the Gnostics using that term word, an expression. They would say there are many expressions of God. And John says, no, there's one expression of God, the living word, Jesus. He was with God in the beginning and was God. Don't believe any false translations that some groups try to tell you that he was a God. No, he was God. He was with God in the beginning. Listen to this now. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Gnostics said Jesus was a good guy, we put him right up there with all the other different expressions of God, and beings, and entities, and emanations of God. Paul says, no, 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 it's Jesus. You wanna know why you're here? Because Jesus made you. You don't know where you came from, Jesus made you. You don't know where you're going? You're either going to be with Jesus or without Jesus in eternity. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't be confused. Don't let anyone cloud your hearts and minds on that. Thirdly, Jesus Christ has supremacy over the church. Jesus Christ has supremacy over the church, verse 18. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. He's the guiding, leading. Everything in our physical bodies is run by the brain. Cut off the head, get rid of the brain, none of this can do what it was designed to do. We are the body. We are all the parts of the body of Christ. And by the way, the church is not this building or this campus. Calvary Community Church is not this address or these walls. The church is us, all of us who know Jesus as Savior, who gather together collectively to make an impact for Christ and his kingdom in the world today. It says, He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Now, notice here he says beginning and firstborn because he's trying to say he conquered the grave. He's the victor over the grave. He's the king of kings and lord of lords by creation, but even the curse that came because of sin into humanity and so that every human being was born dead before God spiritually, Ephesians 2 tells us. He says, he was the beginning and the firstborn. Now he's trying to emphasize the order, chronological beginning. He was the beginning of people not having to be condemned by death. He conquered the grave in his resurrection and he's the firstborn over death. In other words, he is the beginning of the conquering of death and he has authority and power over death and hell itself. So that what? In everything he might have the supremacy. When he has supremacy in his church today, then his lordship and kingship is lived out in us as we seek to live and love like Jesus. We represent his kingdom of life in this world of death. So what does this mean he's king over the church? Number one, he's the head of the body. He's the head of the body, I mentioned that already. The head of the church, even this local expression of the church, Calvary Community Church, is not me, not the elders, not the pastors, not the ministry directors, not the congregation. The head is Jesus. The head is Jesus. He is the life and the giver of new life. He's been victorious over death and the grave. We are all spiritually dead, lifeless, Paul says in Ephesians 2, from the moment we are born. I remember when I came to that understanding that I was in a sinner before God, spiritually dead, and needed a savior, and I put my faith in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection for me. God gave me new life then. Life then, now, and forever because of Jesus, who has supremacy over death itself. He is life, he is the giver of life. Later in the same book, uh, Paul would say this in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I like this. When Christ, who is your life, you want to know what your life is? Your life is Christ. Not some knowledge, not some enlightenment, not some form of spirituality, your life is Christ who loved you, who died for you, who was buried and who was raised to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is your life. (laughs) Guess some of you aren't quite sure. (laughs) Appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you have new life in Christ, you'll be a part of what God has planned for all eternity. If you don't have new life in Christ, you're not a part of that. Now listen to me, I did not get that new life on my own. I didn't get that life by carrying the label Christian or I was born in a Christian home. That new life came to me because of Jesus and how he saved me the moment I put my faith in him. If you're here and you haven't said yes to Jesus, Can I encourage you today, stop chasing all the ideas and philosophies of the world and religious thinking and ideas and spiritual stuff. Simply come to the one who made you, who came to save you, who loves you, wants to walk with you in life and wants to walk with you in all eternity. Say yes to Jesus today. You can pray right where you are and put your faith in Christ now. If you want to have a conversation with us, I'm not going to be where I normally am. After the service, I'll be over in the Welcome to Calvary Reception meeting. New folks, Pastor Steve Day, our care pastor, will be where I normally am. You can talk talk to him. You can talk to our care team down front. This week, if you're on the campus, we even have Yes to Jesus tables where you can go up and say, Today I said yes to Jesus as my Savior. I accepted new life from him. He forgave me of my sins. And and they'll celebrate with you. The folks at the table, they'll give you some things that will help you walk in this new life. They'll pray with you. Please, if today you're saying yes to Jesus, stop by that yes to Jesus table. Let us celebrate with you. There's no shame in that. Celebrate Jesus. If you're joining us online, you can go to uh, the number on the screen. Uh, just text five eight five eight five six eight as the number and put the name Jesus. And that'll indicate to us that today you're saying yes to Jesus. And we'll follow up with you. Make sure you know Jesus. Make sure you have life in Christ. Say yes to him today. He's over the church. He's the head of the body. He is the life and giver of new life in the body. And his supremacy is seen today through the church. I I, I think it's interesting that the word supremacy is used directly with his headship over the church. Why is that? Because as we submit to him, people see Christ, his life and his love, his righteousness, his truth, his grace, his mercy, his kindness. His compassion, His forgiveness lived out in us. They see the supremacy of Christ and how it changes lives. His supremacy is seen today through the church. Fourthly, Christ has supremacy. Jesus Christ has supremacy over eternity, eternity. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. That word fullness is another Gnostic word. It has the idea of this ultimate full enlightenment knowledge and we all get pieces of it, and hopefully we all get there somehow in our ideas and our religiosity and our spirituality. No, 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 it's Jesus, the God and creator of the universe. And the Father says, look, he is fully God in human flesh, and he will be fully God in a glorified form forever. The Father is pleased that Jesus has been, is, and forever will be God. The Father is pleased that Jesus has been, and is, and forever will be God. And then in verse 19, verse 20, we read, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Not only did he rescue me and give me new life as I put my faith in him, but in his death, burial, and resurrection, this world that is groaning and broken under the curse of sin is groaning and awaiting the day Jesus returns and sets all things right, wipes away every tear, creates a new heavens and a new earth, an ultimate heaven that we experience together forever in Jesus. You see, he's not only king of what's going on now, he's king of all eternity. The Father is pleased that because of him everything will be fully restored forever. It's all about Jesus. Some of you might say, well yeah, you just talked about the Trinity, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all about the Spirit, it's all about the Father, it's all about Jesus. Now hear me clearly, don't mark me as a heretic, but I want you to understand the scriptures here. All three entities, One God in three persons in the Godhead, all three entities of the Godhead are equal in being and essence and existence and deserve our worship and praise. Do you realize that Philippians 2 says, the Father, in, in eternity past, in the eternal decree and purposes of God, each part of the Trinity took a different role. The Father became the one who sent the Son. The son went on the mission and became the redeemer of all mankind. And the spirit is in us to help us be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So more people in the world will come to Jesus as savior and Lord and king of their lives. So the more people will come to Jesus and find the deep satisfaction and peace that God wants us to have in him. So the father says, I've given him Jesus, the name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. So the Father says, you make it about me when you make it about Jesus. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when I go, I'm gonna send you a comforter and he's gonna point you back to me. Why? Because the Spirit says, when you make it all about Jesus, you make it all about me. And so we make it all about Jesus because he is that bridge, that one who was sent God in human flesh to us. He has supremacy over everything. He has supremacy over all of creation. He has supremacy over the church. He has supremacy over all eternity. So then, what does that mean for us? Well, since it's all about Jesus, how do we make much of Jesus in our lives in church today? Let's ask that question. This beautiful passage. How do we make much of Jesus in our lives in church today? Number one, surrender to his lordship in every area, not just some areas. Surrender to his lordship. Does he have control of your relationships? Does he have control of your words? Does he have control of your, have you submitted your thoughts to him? Have you submitted your finances to him? Have you submitted your family to him? Does he have lordship over everything in your life? I've shown before the little cartoon of the guy being baptized and as he's going underwater, he's holding his wallet up out of the water. (laughs) What are you holding up out of the water? Your finances? Your family? Your sex life? Your health? your career, your portfolio, it all falls under the lordship of Jesus. He's Lord of this church. He's Lord of me. He's Lord of everything. We need to submit to his lordship. Hudson Taylor said, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Are you picking and choosing? Maybe the spirit of God is showing you right now something you need to say. All right, Jesus, I surrender and submit to your lordship in this area of my life. Take some time this week, pray about that. Let the Spirit of God work on you in that area that he's revealing to you right now is not under the Lordship of Jesus. Secondly, focus everything on Jesus. Focus everything on Jesus, not just other good or godly things. Focus everything on Jesus, not just good or godly things. There are good things in this world they're even good things for churches. I mean, I have people come to me and say, church, the church should be all about prophecy today. The church should be all about men's ministry. If we could reach men, or the church should be all about care ministry, or the church should all be about this ministry. It should be all about expository preaching or this kind of preaching. It should be all about, all those things can be good and godly, but they all fall under. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything we do at Calvary we don't do it just to say that'd be a good thing to do in our community. We don't care for people with special needs or those struggling financially or people who need food. We don't, we don't say that's just a good human thing to do. No, it's all about Jesus. It's what he did, and if we're followers of Christ, becoming like Christ, living and loving like Jesus, then we need to make every aspect of the ministries of this church, every aspect of who we are when we scatter into the world, all about Jesus. Someone who said if Christ is the center of your life, you'll always be focused on him. Is Christ the center of your life? Maybe it is your fanatical approach to a team. We can enjoy other things, but what's at the center of your life? Even good things like your family, your career, your health. When Jesus is at the center, you're going to have peace and meaning and satisfaction in everything else. Thirdly, make your story all about his story, not just your own story. Make your story, if you wanna make much of Jesus in your life, and if we wanna make much of Jesus in our church today, make your story all about his story, not your own story, and I don't mean to say, you know, boy, that Colorado-Colorado state game was great last night, wasn't it? Jesus, and boy, that, that, uh, those couple of overtimes, Jesus, I'm not talking about something that makes you look crazy here. I'm just talking about, and I don't mean to do it in an offensive way where you're trying to prove some political point, I'm just saying, do you weave into your life in a natural way that the answer to that test, or even if it's negative, that you know the Lord's gonna get you through that. I don't mean in a preachy way, just in a natural way. Is your story all about his story? And fourthly, seek to live and love like Jesus, not just like a Christian. Seek to live and love like Jesus, not just a Christian. What do I mean by that? Too many people have these ideals of what a good Christian is, a good church member is. Get rid of those get your eyes on Jesus. Don't try to be like me. I won't try to be like you. Let's try to be like Jesus. Now, we can say to each other as the Apostle Paul did in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Jesus. But when I'm not following Jesus, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Seek to live in love like Jesus, not just like a Christian. Let me ask you, is your life all about Jesus? Do you say one day, yeah, several years ago it was, and now COVID just sorta, or this or that, or my divorce, my, my kids this, my that. Is there something that's distracted your life from being all about Jesus? Praise God, this church was rooted and founded on the premise, it's all about Jesus. Why is it all about Jesus? Because Jesus has supremacy over everything, over all creation, over the church, and all eternity. And he wants to walk with you in this life so that others can see Christ in you and be drawn to the hope, love, peace, and joy found in a relationship with Jesus. Leonardo da Vinci took three years to complete his great masterwork, The Last Supper. When he got it all done, three years, got it all done, he called in his very best friend, the only only guy who's gonna let see it right away, and he too was an artist, he looked at the painting and he said, oh, it's so beautiful. Leonardo, this is just a masterpiece. And, and it started to do Leonardo's heart good. And he said, I, I particularly love the goblet in, in Jesus' right hand there. That, that goblet is beautiful. It's gold, it's got jewels on it, it shines. It, it's so beautiful, I just love that goblet. That's just such a work of art, that's, that's just great. Leonardo said, thank you, and the guy left and Leonardo painted out the goblet. A friend came back a week later and said, what happened to the goblet? It was so beautiful. Leonardo said, this painting isn't about that goblet. This painting isn't about anything other than Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So he took the goblet out so that nothing would distract from Jesus. Was the goblet in and of itself bad? No. Are there things in your life that are necessarily not bad? Probably. But even the good things in your life, Are they all about Jesus? The good things in our church, is it all about Jesus? At the core, at the starting point of our values as a church, it's all about Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for those who recognize that perhaps they haven't submitted to your lordship. Maybe there's an area they've held back. May your spirit work with them this week to just verbalize their willingness to submit that to your authority. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he means to us individually. For those who maybe haven't said yes to Jesus, may they do so today. We pray for our church that it wouldn't be about Sean, it wouldn't be about a board, it wouldn't be about specific ministries, it wouldn't be about a building or a campus, but that ultimately the people around us in this world where they look at us collectively as a church or they see us individually in the community would know it's all about Jesus. Father, our world tries to make it about everything else and tell us that you got to be this or that or combine all these religions to philosophically get to some place when it all comes back to your Son. Be glorified in and through us this week as we seek to make it all about Jesus. Amen.